Okay, so we are continuing with our series on Exodus, and in a minute we're going to land in Exodus 19, that well-known chapter in Exodus. I'm joking, I haven't, <laughs> haven't read it for a long time, but we're going to have a look at Exodus 19. So, um, have we got a slide up? hope you like my first slide, and Exodus is an amazing drama, isn't it? So I hope, hopefully you're comfortable in your seats, and you're ready for the next instalment. All we need is a bit of popcorn to go around, isn't it? So um, I don't know how often you've been able to go to the cinema recently. Anybody gone to the cinema recently? It's been difficult, hasn't it, the last couple of years? But um, I was taken by my family a few weeks ago to celebrate my birthday. Um, and the main drama of the evening was actually, was Dad going to stay awake? Because number one, we went on a Friday night. <laughs> number two, the film didn't start till 8.30. And it was the James Bond film, No Time to Die. And it lasted nearly three hours. But... Uh, Thankfully, I drank lots of coffee and I made it to the end. So um, here we are back in Exodus. So let's, let's read the next instalment. So if you've got, um, got your Bibles or your phones, uh, Exodus 19. And um, I'm going to read from the NIV. So here we go. I'm going to read the whole chapter and then we'll just unpick a bit of truth behind the words that we're reading. So 19, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, whoops, seeing all my slides, aren't you? Okay, here we go. Yeah. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back down and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows, not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal should be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. And on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. 
As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out amongst them. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Okay, so lots going on in that chapter, isn't there? And I think the thing about all action stories and epic dramas, like James Bond or the book of Exodus, is sometimes you get so caught up in the drama that sometimes you miss the really important detail. The book of Exodus, if you think about it, is non-stop action. You've got murder, you've got miracles, plagues, judgment, sacrifice, incredible last-minute escapes, battles and destructions. A destruction, even against the awesome backdrop of today's chapter. What have you got? You've got God descending in a dense cloud, thunder and lightning. You've got fire and trumpet blasts. If you get hold of it, if you imagine just being there, it's epic drama, isn't it? Even when you think about the totality of the book of Exodus, a lot of people think it's God rescuing his people from slavery and oppression as an act of compassion and to fulfill his promise that their descendants will inherit the, the promised land. And sometimes, you know, all of that is true, but just sometimes we may miss the point of the epic story. And I think today's passage definitely takes us deeper into what lies behind perhaps a superficial first impression of Exodus. And it takes me back to a few weeks ago. Do you remember when Terry Virgo came here? I was caught up in the supernatural happenings of the, of the chapter. It was the burning bush that wasn't burning. How does that happen? And God coming and speaking through this bush. But actually, Terry just revealed so much truth that lay behind kind of the drama of that passage. So that's my prayer this morning, that we'll really hear God speaking. And actually, what I'm going to focus on is that little bit in amongst all that drama, that amazing spectacle, where God actually says something to his people. And Moses delivers this amazing message to his people that is as apt today as it was all those years ago. So, just to get you to imagine, that's probably what Mount Sinai looked like. I think that's probably the, the terrain that it was. It's this kind of incredible mountain place. They're in the desert. Is it two million Israelites? camping out there, so a massive amount of people. And I'm just going to bring out just a few key points from this passage. I'm going to bring out six points. So point number one. Okay, here we go. That's my first point. It's good to look back and remember what God has done. And if you read verse four, it says this, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. Now, I kind of looked into this. Even how God says that, you yourselves. He doesn't just say, you've seen what I did to Egypt. He says, you yourselves. And that's God, in a way, writing something in bold. It's him underlining something. It's him writing it in italics. It's him drawing attention to something quite important. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And it made me think the world at times presses in on us, doesn't it? We get so kind of consumed by what's going on in the moment, in the here and now that actually it really is good for us to go back and remember what God has done in our lives. 
So us ourselves today, this morning, should remember what God has done in our lives. So I thought about this. There's probably loads of people here that can remember back to that moment in time when we actually said we made a decision. And Saeed, this was you three weeks ago. You made a decision to say, I want to follow you, Jesus. I understand what you've done, that you've died for me that you can wash away my sins, that those sins that separate me from God, that you can come and you can bring me into relationship with you. I can call you Lord. And, I feel, you know, in worship this morning, that's all we were saying. Jesus is Lord. We can say that. You can be Lord of my life and I'll follow you for the rest of my days into eternity, into heaven. So we can remember that time. Yeah, many of us. Some of, some of us, it was more of a kind of gradual thing that happened. Maybe we were brought up. To, to know about Jesus, but some of us can actually remember a time and place. So um, it's a very traditional church. It's Thornbury Parish Church. It's in the West Country, and I was age 16, and I'd just taken communion. And although I understood what communion was, and the bread and the wine, and how it symbolised uh, Jesus' body and his blood and what he'd done for me, at that moment in time, age 16, I thought, I now know Jesus that I want you to be my friend. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. I know that you died for me, and it's a relationship. So that, that was kind of my moment in time, and maybe many people in the room can remember that time. I'm coming on to that, Maria. You've read the next bit. Okay, so another moment in time. Thank you, Maria. Um, so I was thinking back to actually to Easter Sunday. You can think back to your baptism, which is great, Maria. And that was... a. You were, yeah, I know. <laughs> how, many, how many years ago? How many years ago? Yeah, 17, 17 years. So Maria can remember that moment in time. Can you remember Easter Sunday? Coming out of lockdown? Were you, were you leading worship, Steve? I think you might have, I can't remember now. But yeah, it was out on the grass, wasn't it, in front of the cabin. Okay, so Aaron, Aaron you were there. Okay, NASA, you were there. Somebody else got baptised. What a moment in time. Wasn't it brilliant, okay? So we can all, some of us who've been baptised can remember that moment in time when we were baptised. So here we go. It's not a great looking church, is it? This is IGC, but it was called Woodcroft Evangelical Church. It's just down the road in Burnt Oak. In my 20s, I got baptised. I can remember that moment in time. And, uh, and it was, yeah, I think probably after that baptism, when I went down in the water, came up, publicly declared I'm a Christian, I felt probably a release of the Holy Spirit. I felt I probably spoke in tongues more than I did before. So I can remember that. And on the 14th of November, we're having a baptism service, okay? So if you haven't been baptised, get a moment in time in your life like that. Okay, so what about other times? I can remember this, Caroline, I, don't, I think you can as well. 1992, just gone to a church meeting on a Saturday night or Sunday night, came back to our flat, just in the quietness of our flat, and Caroline prayed for me to be healed, miraculously healed. And I can remember that, 1992. It's a long time ago, isn't it? I'm very old. Um, but, okay, here's another one. So this is Kingsgate Church in Peterborough, standing next to Duncan, prayer and, uh, prayer and fasting conference. And the guy at the front said, oh, you know, I believe God's, you know, here to do some healing, supernatural God and all that. Um, you know, I feel we should pray for allergies. And I stood there thinking... I've only got hay fever, it's not that bad, is it? I've, you know, I'm not going to bother with that, it's not a major allergy, is it? But actually, at that moment, in an air-conditioned building, my eyes were itching, my ears were itching, my nose started streaming, and you know, all those symptoms of hay fever came upon me. And I thought, okay, God, you're telling me something. Get prayer for hay fever. 
Was I miraculously healed completely? I don't think so, but I definitely experienced some partial healing of hay fever, which was helpful. So you will have similar testimonies, I'm sure, times when you can look back and see when God works miraculously in your life. And these verses remind us to do that, don't they? It's good to look back and remember what God has done. Here's my second point, hopefully coming up. Yeah, so can you see there, God carries us, okay? But the brackets, I think, are really important, even if we don't feel like he's doing it at the time. So the first of Scripture is verse 4. Let's have a look. Can you see it's highlighted there? I carried you on eagles' wings, okay? So this passage made me think it references a specific animal, doesn't it? God doesn't say, I carried you on a white horse, or I carried you on a big elephant. He says, I carried you on eagles' wings. So it made me think that when we interview people at the place I worked as a school, we always get the students to set up a panel, and they always love asking anybody that comes for a job in our school this question. So this is their interview question. Okay, and I like it because I think it gets people to think about their character. Oh, my word, what animal am I going to choose? Okay, what would you choose? An ele- you'd choose an elephant, would you? Go on, Maria, why would you choose an elephant? Okay, so that's God carrying you. What about you? What animal would you be? Okay, we've had some interesting answers in time. My brain always freezes, and all I think of is rats and snakes and goodness as well. <laughs> Slows, but, you know... But, you know, we've had had some good answers. But anyway, it made me think, though, why did God choose an eagle? And he chose it deliberately. God doesn't write these things for fun. He he chooses it deliberately. So I think it's worth just thinking for a minute about an eagle. Amazing creatures, aren't they? So here's some facts about eagles. They're one of the biggest birds and are sometimes described as the rulers of the sky. Okay, God is the ruler of the sky, isn't he? Um, they're at the top of the food chain, so they're cunning, they're bold, intelligent. And when we need to be carried, we want somebody who's really intelligent, who's got all the wisdom in the world, don't we? I love this one. So an eagle's eyesight is five times better, probably more than human vision. So apparently you can see a little rabbit down there three kilometres away. And that made me think that when we need to be carried by God, all we see is just what's going on around us. That's all we see. But actually, when God's carrying you, he can see the end to your situation. He can see three kilometres ahead or a year ahead or six months ahead or whatever. He can see beyond your circumstances. We know eagles are found on state flags. They represent courage and freedom. They've got immense strength and skill. Our God's a big God. Okay, he's massive. He's got so much strength and skill. Next one I really love, you know, eagles have a really strong grip, 10 times more powerful than ours. So when you, you're being carried, even if you don't realise it at the time, he's not going to let you go. His grip is going to hold on to you. And I love that. And even in the Bible, these creatures are regarded as having you know, a sign of mercy and divine power. And then, of course, to have faith in God is to soar as high like an eagle. So hopefully they're all up there, yeah. So um, there's lots of people involved in education in the room whether you're a mealtime supervisor, learning assistant, maybe a teacher, whatever. But the last couple of years have been incredibly challenging for anybody involved in education. And and many people have said, you know what, I've had enough. I'm walking away from this. 
Um, and when you're involved in a community like a school, you've got, I don't know, a couple of thousand pupils, you've got 4,000 parents and carers, you've got ex their extended families, and you're trying to manage a school in a global pandemic, you are, you're never going to get it right for everybody. You're always going to be criticised. And then those that are in charge of schools, often they adopt a blame culture, don't they? And if you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right, and you've got all these experts saying how you should do things. And all you're trying to do is just do what you think is right in the moment. So um, it took me back, actually, this time last year. I actually, as a head teacher, had a public health order served on me. I never had one before. I don't know if you've ever seen one. But when you read the small print, it says, if you don't comply with these things that they're telling you to do, that they think are right, you could go to prison. So I'm reading that, thinking, OK, God, this is interesting. My leadership team were really helpful. They said they'd come and visit me in prison, so don't worry about it. But, um, but basically, it, it was a challenging time. Now, COVID now doesn't exist in my school, but schools down the road are all hit with what I was hit last year. It's a, it's a virus. You can't control it, and you can just manage it as best you can. But at that time, that was what people in authority thought was a good thing to do. Did I feel God was carrying me at the time? No. Okay, I came home from work, I went to bed, I got up in the morning, I went back to work, I faced the next challenge. Was he carrying me? Of course he was. Of course he was, because that's what he does. Fast forward a little bit, do you remember back to the Christmas holidays and the, uh, the media was going berserk about the Indian variant? And this was so much more dangerous than the original COVID. And, you know, nobody should be going to work whatsoever. You shouldn't even be driving on the road. It was, it, and yet we're expected to have a school open and expecting to educate children. So the unions then kicked in and they're protecting their members, doing what they need to do. But again, very challenging time. Some of you came to a prayer meeting quite early in the morning and you prayed for me. And God and you, you yeah, God through you, carried me at a very difficult time. A couple of examples, but you will have your own moments uh, which will be equally challenging and equally painful, different things. And you might be sitting here this morning trying to make sense of these verses that God carries us on eagle's wings, and actually you don't feel like it, but God carries you. So I just want to take a minute, just after that second point, let's just close our eyes. And God, you've revealed this scripture to us in your word in Exodus. And we just pray for one another. There may be people sitting here this morning that don't feel like they're being carried on eagle's wings, but actually, God, we declare over their lives that you are carrying them. The fact they're here in the room probably is an indication that you are carrying them. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you've never let us go. You, your grip is so tight on us. Thank you, Lord, that you see way beyond what we see. You see eternity, Jesus. That's your perspective. And we want to thank you that you are God who carries us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Point number three. Okay, so there are the first two points. It's good to look back and remember what God's done in your life. God carries you, even if you don't feel like it at the time. Here's the third point. He doesn't just rescue us. It's good to be rescued, but he doesn't just do that. Let's have a look at verse four. It says this. I brought you to myself. Now, I've, there's loads of, chapter, uh, loads of verses I could have chosen, but I've chosen 1 Peter 2.9, quite a well-known verse, and it actually references this passage in Exodus, Exodus 19. But have a look at the words at the end of that passage. He brought us 
out of darkness, but it doesn't stop there. There's no full stop there. What does he do? He brings us into his wonderful light. So he doesn't just rescue us. He brings us into himself. When God saves us, he doesn't just bring us out. He brings us in. Okay? He brings us out of slavery and into himself. The end goal is never just freedom itself, but it's freedom to worship, freedom to serve, freedom to have a relationship with Jesus, with the one true living God. And this morning, again, whatever we've done this week, whatever fears and anxieties we've had or worries, we can sit here as a redeemed people. God has purchased us. He saved us. He's put us on his back. He's flown us on eagle's wings to safety. We have a new identity as his people, and he's called us to himself. Okay, so there we go. It's good to look back and remember God carries us, even if we don't feel like it at the time. He doesn't just rescue us. He brings us in to a close relationship with him. My fourth point is this one. We're called to be holy. Verse 5 says this. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. Speaking of holiness, and uh, Chris, you were talking about holiness. You know, this morning we're just standing on holy ground, aren't we? And all we can say as that worship just washes over us and we're meditating on the goodness of God is just Jesus is Lord. That's all we can say. We're speechless in that place, aren't we? And come and have your way amongst us. But we're called to be holy. We stand on this holy ground, but we're also called to be holy. I don't want you to get too hung up on the word if, because our salvation and identity in God is not dependent on good works and obeying God's rules. So hear that really clearly. Remember that this statement was written in the the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. But what we can do is fast forward to similar verses in the New Testament and the New Covenant. So I've picked out a couple. Ephesians 4.4. This is Paul writing, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Okay, it's good, isn't it? Okay, Romans 12, 1, again, same person writing, this is Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so you've accepted your salvation. It was a gift given by grace. You've you've accepted it. Thank you, Jesus. You couldn't earn it. You couldn't do anything to get it. You just said, thank you, Jesus. I accept that gift of grace. But what does Paul say? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what we want to do. We've been saved, haven't we, by grace. But now everything in us wells up to want to worship Jesus and offer ourselves, offer our money, our time, what comes out of our mouth, the acts of kindness that we can do, offer everything, writing chapters in books, offer everything that we can do to be our worship to Jesus. Uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so we're getting there. Four points so far. It's good to look back and remember what God has done. God carries us, even if we don't feel like it at the time. He doesn't just rescue us. He calls us into a close relationship with him. We're called to be holy. Point number five. Okay, can you see the words up there? His value of us is priceless. It's amazing. Priceless. You can't put a price on it. Okay, where do we get that from? Again, it's just those little verses tucked in amongst the drama of Exodus 19 where God is speaking. Okay, and we're listening this morning. You will be my treasured possession. 
So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Wow, temples are pretty ornate places. They're amazing places built for the glory of God. And that's our bodies. And God places his Holy Spirit in that body, in us, uh, who is in you, who you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And that price was priceless. Um, you know, Jesus on the cross, the most cruel death that anybody could ever experience. Nails rammed into his hands, spear in his side. But more importantly, separated from God, took, taking on the sins of the world. That's your sin, my sin, everybody's sin. Separated from God, what a price to pay. And that was God's precious son, his only son, given up for us. And then we know the rest of the story. Broke the power of death, came back to life on the third day. And then this gift of salvation, which we can accept by grace. And Revelation 1.6, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That was a price he paid and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. So our identity as a saved people is also an identity as God's precious, valued people. Look at the next bit of the passage, though. Okay, it reminds us, hopefully it's just down there at the bottom, uh, although the whole earth is mine. So, let's have a think about that. Has anybody got an amazingly favourite place somewhere on the earth that just is like, wow? Say again? The, the Ring of Kerry. Doesn't sound great, but it's obviously a really nice place, is it? Okay. <laughs> Go on, describe. What's, what's it like, Michelle? Oh. oh, it does sound good. Yeah, mountains, lakes, an island in Ireland, is it? Yeah, lovely. Okay. Anybody else got an amazing place? Go on. Say again. The Grand Canyon. Wow, have you been there? But it looks amazing in the pictures. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Oh, come on. Fantastic, lucky you. Duns River Say that again. Duns River Falls in Jamaica. In Jamaica, Duns River Falls. Yeah. What's it like, Andy? It's really nice. It's the water that's coming down. You just can walk up the slope and the water just coming down. Fantastic, yeah. So, and the mountain of all the, all the people. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that, Maria. <laughs> beautiful Dolomite. Yeah, it's lovely. God, breathe in. Can you feel it? <laughs> oh, Maria, that's fantastic. That's great. Sounds fantastic. Great. That's, that's fantastic, Maria. So has anybody been to the Caribbean? So you're talking about Jamaica. So Caroline and I went to this restaurant uh, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was on the west side of uh, Barbados. And we watched this sunset for an hour and a half, and it was like the most amazing sunset you could ever see. And it was just like the waves were lapping there, and you could see the fish. It was just like, oh, my word. But, you know, you, you've got your best place, okay? It may be the Grand Canyon. It might be volcanoes that you've seen. It might be the Lake District, Derbyshire Peaks, I don't know, the Western Highlands. 
might be Manchester, might be in the Niagara Falls, might be Hawaii, wherever it is, think about the whole earth and that amazing beauty that the earth is. But what does God says? He says, I've got all that, but you, okay, you are my treasured possession. So you're what is really dear to his hearts. And you're what he wants to show off to the angels. He doesn't call the angels over here and say, let's look down at the Grand Canyon. He calls the angels over and said, let's do that later. Let's look down at my treasured possession, my chosen people, the people who call me uh, you know, by my name. And he looks down at Trinity this morning and he says, you are my treasured possession. So here we go. My last point, point number six. Okay, so it's good to look back and remember what God has done. God carries us, even if we don't feel like it at the time. He doesn't just rescue us, he calls us into a close relationship with him. We're called to be holy, and his value of us is priceless. And my last point is this, we are expected to shine in the world for him. Verse 6, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now we've already looked at 1 Peter 2.9, but we just look at that verse again. We looked at kind of the, the end of it. But what's it saying, 1 Peter 2.9? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may declare the praises of him. So we're not only a precious people, but we're also a priestly people, a royal priesthood. And as priests, we have a really privileged position. We've got a unique relationship with access to God. And we're a people with a special closeness, a special calling from God. So if you just think about what do priests do, they pray, they're set apart, they point people to God, they set an example, they stir up the nations, don't they, to see God. That's what priests do. And that's the calling that God has on our lives. They represent God to the world. And they carry his presence to the nations and make God visible to the world. And that's the calling that's on our church, isn't it? We give our money to this church because this church wants to be a priest to the nations. It wants to show Jesus to the world. It wants to do projects. So we know we have a food bank. Pat and all your volunteers are being a priest to the nations. You're showing Jesus to the world. Those acts of kindness that you do. We've got the polytunnel project, haven't we? Duncan, you did been down at the prison this morning. And, you know, all these things that we do as a church. And I just thought it'd be nice to hear from one of those projects. Obviously, CAP, obviously we all know about CAP and the amazing work that's doing to take people out of poverty and just shine Jesus to the world. But, Laura, would you come down and just talk just for a couple of minutes just about baby basics? And this is one example of how our church... Yeah, it's being a priest to the nations. But as you're listening to this, this is one of our projects, but what I want um, us to also think about is individually, how are we also priests to the nations? Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Um, bear with me, because it's not my favourite thing, standing up and talking, although I do love talking about baby basics. So um, thank you, Jerry, for asking me to come and share a little bit about Baby Basics Barnet and what we do. And I just feel really privileged to be part of a um, church that has such a heart for social action as well. So um, we fit into the kind of whole picture, you know, as Jerry mentioned, there's a few different um, projects that are going on at Trinity. 
Um, I began setting up Baby Basics Barnet almost three years ago exactly, and we had our first referrals in January 2019. So we're almost three years old. And um, we are affiliated to Baby Basics UK, which is a national uh, network of projects, although we run independently. Um, but Baby Basics UK was um, set up <coughs> almost 14 years ago now, and their vision is based on Matthew 25, um, which says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Um, so in lots of different ways, Trinity Church is involved in providing um, services and um, just blessing the poor. Uh, but Baby Basics Barnet specifically, pr we provide Moses Basket starter packs um, to vulnerable new mums. Maybe that's what they look like when they're made. Um, they contain a Moses basket, uh, bedding, new mattresses, towels, muslins and bibs, clothing up to six months, snowsuits in the winter, nappies, wipes, toiletries for the mums and the babies. And sometimes larger items such as baths and bouncer chairs, um, slings and push chairs and cots, although I'm not a fan of storing cots in the little <laughs> space that we have, so um, we, do, we do take cots and we do give out cots, but um, yeah, we just try to provide, you know, what the ladies need. Uh, we are referral only service, so midwives and health visitors refer to us, um, and usually we have a few months notice. Uh, but uh, not uncommonly, the ladies either, you know, present very late in their pregnancy or they present in labour. And so we have to provide emergency bundles <coughs> for some women who've had no antenatal care at all. And the mums come from a very wide variety of uh, backgrounds, domestic violence victims, ladies who live in a refuge, um, Asylum seekers, there's quite a lot of asylum seekers at the moment, uh, ladies from Afghanistan particularly. Uh, very young mums, just we don't have a particular criteria on who we help, we will provide help for anyone who needs it. Uh, we just rely on the health professionals who know the, the mums, so the health visitors or the midwives, um, to decide on their need. Um, when I began thinking about setting up Baby Basics, I hadn't necessarily thought, oh, I want to be a light in the community. How can I go about doing that? Um, but God had really laid on my heart to serve vulnerable new mums in some way. So I have three children, and um, my oldest is almost 11. And just after he was born, I really thought, oh, my goodness, we have been given all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, people were so generous. We had been given, you know, tons of outfits and lovely things. And I just really felt like... How can I help other mums mm. who don't have what we have? And I had no idea how to set anything up because I had never done it before. I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know how to go about doing it. Um, but I will say, and I hope this is a, an encouragement um, in response to what Jerry said, um, that if God gives you an idea mm. and puts something on your heart, then just run with it. Because he wants us to be priests 
and he doesn't leave us alone, you know. If he gives us an idea and if he gives us a passion for something, mm. um, he will provide and he will help us. And I really believe that, you know, if God has been speaking to you about something, um, he won't leave you alone. I pushed doors and they were just flung wide open. I didn't know what to do and I just, you know, tried a few things. And God really generously provided people to support me and finances, uh, people to donate items. And many people in this room have been really generous with their finances and with their time and donating items to me. Even this morning, Michelle brought some to toiletries. And just I'm just really grateful for all of the people who've supported mm -hmm. us. Um, we've, we've grown a lot. and We've made networks into the community. And I think it's really easy to think that it's the mums that we're supporting, but I think as well it's the mm. midwives and the health professionals. Yeah, come on. And mm. they know us now and they know what we do and how we support the mums. Mm. So we want the mums to know that they are loved mm. and that they're really special and that their babies are loved. Mm. We give the items, hopefully, to look nice and like a gift uh, because we do want to be a blessing to them. We don't mm. give out old things or worn things or you know overly worn things or um stained things you know we make make it look like mm. a gift because whatever circumstances surrounding the baby's arrival you know it might not be ideal situation but actually the mums are special and they're loved and their babies mm. are special and they're loved and god has a plan for their lives but aside from that <clears throat> i feel like Actually, we are a light to the yeah, health on. services as well. And just mm. at the beginning of October, um, I had a card from one of the teams that we support. And the midwife wrote this. Um, Thank you for all the passion you put into helping people. What you do for the ladies in our care is irreplaceable. Mm. So, it's fantastic. It just really, like, I get really choked up because, you know, I couldn't do this on my own. And I know that God has really, you know, given us a purpose in this church. And just a couple of numbers. Um, so we provided 78 bundles in 2019 and then 129 in 2020. And so far this year, we've provided 180 to the end of October. We've got a busy November, so I'm pretty sure we'll reached to more than 200 this year so wow. the service has really grown and yeah that's fantastic so yeah that's reflecting back i think that's a way that me personally i can be a light in this community and if anyone is interested in getting involved then just let me know thank you laura thank you so much <laughs> you just stay here for a bit <laughs> okay so i'm going to ask I'm going to ask actually Andy and Duncan to come and pray for Laura and everybody involved in Baby Basics. Let's all stand. And I think Laura's given a really good example of us as a church being a light to the nations. Um, and I want our hearts to be stirred, really touched by what you said, Laura. Can we give the mic back to Laura? Is that possible? About, you know, if God places something on your heart that's your passion, yeah, listen to that voice. And can you, can you just read what that midwife wrote in that card again? might make me cry, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> um, thank you for all the passion you put into helping people. What you do for the ladies in our care is irreplaceable. And we've, you know, we've had lots, of, yeah, lots right. of times when people have said, you know, this lady couldn't have left the hospital without the things that you've Absolutely. given. Absolutely, yeah. And Caroline, you, you work in that team, and I hear every day. Just, you know, when I hear that, and I hear 
you know, when the, the midwives see these baskets come in, they think, who's doing this? Where's this come from? And of course, it's Trinity Church, and it's the love of Jesus. And they're turning up to homes where literally the flat is empty. There's nothing there. And, you know, there's no nappy even to put on a baby. And this bundle turns up. Can you imagine the impact of that? And some of these, you know, these women have literally nothing. And they're just, it's the light of Jesus shining in their lives. So it's having a big impact. So come on, Andy. Come on, Duncan. Let's just anoint Laura this morning and those involved with Baby Basics. Father God, come on, Lord. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you for that that word that goes with every basket, Lord Jesus, that we, they are fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord Jesus. These, these babies, Lord Jesus, are fearfully and wonderfully knitted together, Lord Jesus, by your amazing hand, Lord God. I, I thank you, Lord God, that you have an amazing purpose, Lord Jesus, for each of these mums and babies, Lord Jesus, who you have designed and made, Lord Jesus, and Lord God, I thank you so much for Laura. Yeah, I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for this heart that you've given her, Lord God. I thank you that you touched her, Lord Jesus, and you, you broke her heart for what breaks yours, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give, gave her the audacity to start pushing doors, Lord Jesus, to, to say, Lord Jesus, what, what is it I can do, Lord Jesus? I thank you for the, the heart, Lord Jesus, not just to hear, but to do, Lord Jesus. And I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this would shine brightly, Lord Jesus. Shine brightly, Lord Jesus. I thank you for all the light that it's shining already, but Lord God, let it shine brighter, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Just as we were hearing you, Lord, I was just reminded of that verse that, you know, it says that we're called to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. And God has put that on you to to shine the love of Jesus. God, Jesus has changed you and transformed you and made you think differently. And, and the way that, you know, we, you, you were talking about Joshua was born and then you've given so much. And actually, Lord Jesus, you have loved us so much. You have done so much in our lives and you've changed. And, and we pray that there would be this phenomenal overflow of the love that you've put in our lives to those people around us. And and just as Jerry is saying, we, you know, our, our call is to shine. And I, I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come and really bless Laura. Yeah, I want to pray, Lord, that you would give her that, the ability and the faith, Lord, to say, no, you've said this, therefore I will do it. I pray faith, Lord, to rise within her heart, Lord, to go to the next level. And I, and I pray, too, for that there be other people in the room, others of us, who would hear Laura and then... I pray you'd come on us and say, Lord, what, may, what, what have you got for me, Lord? How are you calling me to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation? And we pray, Holy Spirit, would you, as you've anointed Laura for this, would you come and fall on us again, Lord? That we would hear you speaking, your voice into our lives. That we would pick up what you've called us to do, oh Lord. Father, thank you. I thank you for the, those children that are just growing up. Lord, uh, clothed and cared for i thank you for that sense of maternal pride that you've given some mums <laughs> who thought they could have nothing but now they have something and we say come lord jesus yeah, break jesus. through again and again yeah, we ask lord thank you lord amen thank you jesus fantastic thank you so steve and andy can you come back and okay so yeah just a couple of thoughts just to finish just as steve and andy lead us in a
time of worship. Lord Jesus, we want to respond to you, Father. We don't just want to turn up on a Sunday, but we want to leave different people because we've met with you. Our hearts have been stirred. You've spoken into our lives. Just a couple of things. Just the whole of Exodus talks about... uh, yeah, God rescuing people from slavery. And if, if there's anybody here that wants to be rescued from something or maybe hasn't even put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, today's the day. <laughs> Make that decision today. and Come and tell somebody at the end that you've made that decision just to say, Lord, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. I accept you. I accept your gift of salvation. I can't earn it. I just accept that grace that you pour out upon me. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. And, and just the other thought just is, there was a lot of fear. Those Israelites, they couldn't approach the mountain. They couldn't touch the mountain. They'd be stoned to death and there were all these rules and regulations. But we can press right in this morning. There's no fear, no need to fear. And I'll just leave that with you as we just worship Jesus at the end of this service and hand back to Chris just to, to finish things off.